I, I am realizing why God gave me such wonderful boys is because this is the best way to get wonderful girls, I tell you. I didn't have to birth them. I didn't have to buy all the clothes and go to all the dance things. I just get these wonderful girls. It is so awesome. Yeah. Okay. So here we are. Are you having fun? Having a good time? Are you getting something? Good. Good. I'm glad you're getting something because that's, that is why we're here so that you can get something. I'm going to do a little plug for Miss Linda. Pastor Linda, will you please stand from Spokane? On, on November 4th, she is having Beth Jones. It's a one night only. Pardon me? Did I say that? Yeah. Okay. November 4th, Beth Jones. Get registered. These flyers will be at our information center, so go find one, get it. You like my shakiness? We're all shaking. Everything's shaking. I think everybody should stand up and shake. How's that sound? We can all shake together. Woo! Okay. Good. Now we're good. At least my voice is shaky. So, so you saw the video on Fight Club. How many knows what Fight Club is? Cool. So Fight Club, what we're doing is um, it's just a tool that we're using um, to help us be intentional about changing our you know, areas of our life, spiritually, physically, relationally. Um, it's just a tool we're, we're using. And um, why did I call it Fight Club Girls? Who knows? <laughs> you know, what's the defini definition of a girl? A young or, what, it, what, what I look at, it, young or relatively young woman. Well, who does not want to be known as a young woman, right? So why not Fight Club Girls? Just saying, there's always somebody going to be older than you, so you're always going to be younger. So you're just, just, that's just the way it is. That's what we're going to do. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. And we'll go on with it. So it's something that, has been designed, it will take you out of your comfort zone. Uh, I promise you it'll do that, but I know that when you're taken out of your comfort zone, you will find strength there, as we, as we always do. So if you have not signed up for that, um, you want to sign up. You can do it online, or you can go out to the information center. So it, it's going to be good. You're, you're going to be challenged, and, uh, but it's good. So I'll get into more of that in my message, but I've been... Um, last couple of weeks just been praying for each and every one of you that your hearts would be opened and that you would get that God moment today like Pastor Sandy um, talked about earlier and it's just been so cool she was I was what was I doing I was out riding my horse just getting ready to get on and she sends me this text and she says this is what I'm going to talk about what do you think and I went ah so any, just about everything that she said is already here in my message. So I'm like, okay, why do I need to say anything? Because, you know, she's already said it. So it's been, it's been pretty good. So um, I want us to turn to, if you don't have your Bible, I think they'll put it up, John 5, 1 through 6 in the NIV. And this is um, the guy that's laying beside the pool of Beth Bethesda. And it says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festi festivals. Um, now there is a, in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool in which Aromatic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five co covered colonnades. 
Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid there for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? And I think this story is a great encouragement for all of us because we all have areas in our life that we want to change, we want to see change, right? How many of you have areas that you'd like to see change in? Yeah, pretty much. I know I do. And so he's laying there by the pool of Bethesda, and he's had this condition, whatever it was, for an extremely long time. And um, God asked him if he wanted to get well. Did he want to change? And as I was thinking about this, I think about us, ladies, anybody, really. We go to church, and we have no, really no desire at all to want to change. It's like if I, um, so my son, my youngest son, TJ, works at Complete Nutrition. I'll give him a plug. Um, and it's, I don't know, supplements and vitamins and, you know, to get healthy and ex he's all about exercise and all that kind of stuff. So it'd be like me deciding, okay, yeah, I should probably eat better and I should probably exercise more. So I'm going to go see TJ and I'm going to, they have this little scale thing you get on and it measures all these sorts of wacky things. And then they give you a... Um, a printout of what it is like you should eat calorie-wise and health-wise and then you know knowing TJ like I do I could say okay tell me what exercises I should do to help better improve you know all these kinds of things but I don't like sweet potatoes I don't like fish I do not or will not run I don't want to jog. I don't want to do push-ups. I don't... I could hula hoop. I like to hula hoop. Um, but I, I don't... I, so, so tell me, based on what I want, tell me how to get better, how I can change. Is that going to work? I don't think so. And I, we sit every weekend, every day. We can click on a TV show. We can click on a radio show. The Word of God is right in the palm of our hands every day, and we can sit and listen to these amazing messages from anointed men and women of God, and, and it's like we sit there, but we don't want to change. We don't have any desire to change. We all have things in our lives that we want to see change, and we love the idea of God changing things for us or our circumstances, but I think we like that more than the idea of God changing us. And in verse 3, it was saying there was a great number of disabled people, the, the blind and the lame and the paralyzed, and we could go on to say the bitter or the petty or the unforgiving, or, you know, I could probably keep going and maybe some of you get hit there, I don't know. But all these people there, and we all have a condition in our life where something needs to change. And if I were to ask you, okay, specific people, what in your life needs to change. Um, I'm sure some of you would might say, um, uh, my relationship with my husband needs to change because he has just been crazy the last week, just crazy. So that needs to change. Or your kids need to change because they are bouncing off the walls, right? 
something needs to change. But, or maybe your job, you know, the job that you prayed for, the job that God gave you, now the coworkers are just crazy or, you know, you're getting too much work or something like that. But I bet none of you would say, I'm selfish or I need to change, right? It's always something else, something else. Sure, it would be awesome if God would come and snap of the fingers, you say, go, God, go get that man and change him. Or God, sick the kids and make them behave and, you know, be perfect children or, you know, something like that. God, give me the great house or God, give me, you know, this and that. But um, it, it can't start there. It's got to start within our own hearts because 50, Psalms 51.10 says, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me right? In verse 6, Jesus asked the man, do you want to get well? Do you really want to change? He didn't ask him if he wanted it to change. He asked him, do you want to change? Do you want to get well? And yet, this guy that he was handicapped, and he had it for so long, you know, 38 years, but I think part of that handicap is he might have been hard of hearing because his response to Jesus was not, I mean, it's like, he asked, do you want to get well? And his response was like, where did that come from? That, that's not an answer to the question he was asked. And so he says, do you want to get well? And he's, he didn't ask him, do you want to feel better? He said, do you want to get well? And there's a difference. We can come to church to feel better. We can come to the conference to feel better and never leave well, never leave changed. We can come to church for comfort right, and leave unchanged. We can get into God's word daily, you know, daily devotions, you read a Proverbs a day, and every time as you read it, you think, ah, that, that'd be good for my sister over there, or, oh, dang it, I was just talking to that lady last week, that'll be great for her. But how often do we apply it to what we need right now? And I know that as I was preparing this message, it, it's just crazy. It's so cool and yet how God puts everything together, and you get so excited, and it's like a wow, look what God did, and yet why do we think wow? Because that's what God does, is he just, he lines it up, and so this message is just as much for me today as it is for each one of you, because we're talking about excuses here, basically, is what we're talking about. We all come up with excuses. A lot of God, times, we just want God to fix the situation or work in our lives. We say, God, um, give me your peace, or we pray for God to give us joy, right? But why are we begging for God for a breakthrough? And that's not how you get stuff from God. You don't beg God for something that he died already to give us, that he paid his, a price, he he gave his life for this kind of stuff. We don't beg him for something that he's already done for us. Because when God decides to do a work in you, he's going to do it. Whether we beg for it or not, God decides he's going to do it. So verse 7, it says, The man had, had some reasons, some excuses as to why he could not get well. What did he say? God says, Do you want to get well? And he says, I have no one. Okay, cool. well, what kind of answer is that? It doesn't even fit the question. I have no one. Hello. It's like your kids. You know, you ask them one thing and they go off on a rabbit trail. 
But that's not what Jesus asked him. We have such an unlimited, we serve such an unlimited God. And we give him these excuses and his reasons and we put such a limit on him. Because everything the guy said was true. He didn't have anyone. He didn't lie. You know, and we do the same thing. We, we come up with all sorts of excuses, and they're not necessarily lies. You know, they're facts. And some, of the, some of the crazy ones I've heard is um, people will tell us, well, how the heck do you expect us to take notes in church? It's so dark in there. <laughs> okay, well, you can go to the information center. You can get your little CD. You can take it home. You can turn on every light in the house, and there's no distractions, Right? There's, there's no excuses. Or um, other ones, you know, a lot of times us women will use our kids or our husbands as excuses why we can't serve in the church. You know, God calls those children blessings, and I don't think that he'll use, we heard this last week, I don't think he'll use his, the blessings that he gives you to prevent you from serving or doing his will, right? Same with the husband he gave you. It's not, it's not going to be used that way. Um, when I did a, a um, fight club thing with a church back east, I believe it was in Indiana, and uh, when I was trying to decide whether I wanted to do this or not, you know, all these excuses come up. Do I really? I don't know these people. I'm, you know, clear across the United States. I'm never going to see them. Um, you know, how, how intimate can I get with these people? And, um, yeah, I don't want to do the exercises, I have a bum knee, so that probably won't work. And I've always told myself that I can never memorize scripture. And so those are just some of the things that were concerning to me when I decided, ah, maybe I should try this thing. And so I committed that I was going to try this thing. And uh, it was pretty interesting because I was uh, emailing back and forth with um, one of the coordinators back there. And um, can't remember what she was telling me, but the, the first week's assignments come out, and I think it was like um, you walk two miles, and you do 25 sit-ups, you do 25 push-ups, and you do 25 lunges each leg. Well, I've had an issue with one of my knees for quite some time, and I don't even know how it started, I don't know why it started, but... Apparently, there's a tear somewhere in there, and it, it'll leak fluid, and that will cause it to really, really hurt. And there's nothing they can do except for surgery. And I, sorry, but I don't want to do surgery because I don't want to sit around a house. I'll not do anything, so I don't want to do it. And so I, I texted back, and I said, okay, well, um, I can do everything, but uh, is there something I can do other than the lunges because, you know, my knee, it hurts, and, and so I just I don't think I can do that. And um, she texts back to me, and she says, do you have a doctor's note? <laughs> I tell you, had she been any closer, <clears throat> and I sat back, and it took me a while before I responded, because I'm like, who are you to ask me if I have a doctor's note? I'm telling you, my knee hurts, okay? And I can't do them, because it'll make it hurt more. And it just dawned on me, okay, I'm limiting God. I haven't even tried it. I haven't even tried it, and I'm saying, no, I can't do it. How often do we that, do that? And in, in my journey, 
I said, I just finally decided, okay, I'm going to do this. And you know what? I have not, since I, I, when, I don't even remember, it was last February, I think I started, I've not had any pain in that need at all. And so it's like when you put your trust in God, yeah, it's awesome. But it's like you can't, you can't use excuses. You've got to say, okay, God, I trust in you. And in one of my uh, verses that God has had me in this entire year, and it's just awesome, it's Romans 12, 1 and 2. And it says, so here's what I want you to do. Take your everyday, ordinary life. How many of us have ordinary lives? Ordinary, mundane lives. Here's what I want you to do. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're eating, you're sleeping, you're walking around, you're diaper changing, you're Harley riding, you're horseback riding, whatever it is that you do in your life. And I want you to place it before God as an offering, right, to Him. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your own culture. Your, do you understand that? Your, that your own culture. Don't be so well-adjusted to your own culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Amen. Faith has the ability to override the facts. You just have to put your faith in God. Mark 11:22 says, have faith in God. We need to put our entire faith and trust in God and don't limit him. And so this guy laying by the pool was explaining to God how things worked. I have no one, right? How many of us use that excuse? I have no one to help me. I know in the church here we use the phrase, together we're better. And that's true to a certain extent. But when we're talking about heart change, there's nobody that can make that change. And nobody can help you change. It has to be between you and God. God will meet you right where you're at. He will meet you right at the point, and change happens when we stop making excuses. The man was giving Jesus all kinds of excuses, and Jesus just overlooked that, and he gave the guy a simple command. When we, um, while we have our own ideas about, you know, how God should change things, and he says he sees things so differently than we do, right? His ways are not our ways. And it's, uh, he has very different views of what we need to happen in our lives for change to occur. So after he heard all of his reasons, I'm sure the guy gave him all of his doctor's excuses, which I didn't have, but I'm sure he had many of them, right? And he heard how he, you know, the guy had nobody to help him, and he, you know, he heard how when he tried that other people would block him and prevent him. And it's interesting, it's, he's, it's not dealing with himself. He's dealing with everything around him. All the people around him won't help him. The situations aren't right. So everything's preventing him from his breakthrough. But even after all of that, Jesus just looked at him and said, get up. Sometimes we just need to get up. And is it possible that while we're waiting for God to make all these changes or to do something in our life, 
he's actually waiting on us to do something. Because he's not going to do, he's not going to do for us what we can do for ourselves. I mean, he made us uniquely. He made us very capable. He made us um, beautiful. And we can do all sorts of things on our own. And he will not do what we can do for ourselves. I want to also look at um, John 21 through 25 in the message. And this is the story of Lazarus. And Tom touched on this, this last weekend, and I thought it was pretty cool. And so, you know, Martha's waiting, been waiting for Jesus to come because um, Lazarus is dead. And, and so she's, she's just really upset with Jesus when he gets there. And, he says, and she says, you know, hey, had you been here four days ago, Lazarus would be alive right now. And so, you know, she had faith for four days ago because she has faith that he would have been okay had Jesus been here. And, um, uh, where, yeah, um, go to the next one. Next one. And so she says, yeah, you know, I know he's going to be raised up at the end. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. She, he's, he's actually saying, you know, why, why have faith then, or why have faith in the future? Why not have faith for the right here and now? Why is it that we make up all excuses that Jesus can't do for us what we need, or we can't do what God's asking us to do right here and now? And again, God says something very simple to her, tells her to remove the stone. And what does she do? It's like her and the guy by the pool or texting or something because she starts making excuses, right? She says, but God, he's been decomposing for four days. You know, he's going to stink. We can't just roll away the stone. And what's he do? Just very simple. You need to believe. So we need to have faith and we need to believe. We need to believe and have faith that God will do what he says he will do. But that's not going to happen until we do our part, right? Jesus told him to remove the stone. And I'm sure, you know, back in those days, that rock, I'm sure, was pretty heavy, right? How many of us think that what God's asking us to do, it puts some weight on us? I know what God's asked me to do. I feel it every day, especially when weeks like this come around. It's like, oh, my gosh, God, you're asking me to do this. But we just have to put our weight into it. And we have to believe and have faith that if we will do what God's asked us to do, that he will come through for us, right? Our breakthrough doesn't begin when our situation changes, but it begins when we determine in ourselves that we're not going to blame anyone else, that we're not going to wait for anyone else, that we're gonna, um, we, we don't need our situation to change, but what needs to change is us. Do a work in me, God. Change me. This is where the true and lasting change will take place. It's just when it's between me and God. And the only thing that's going to block this change is on our unwillingness to believe, to have faith in him, right? So we just need to pull up our big girl panties. We all got big girl panties. We need to pull them up. We need to pick up our mats. We need to decide that we're going to leave the excuses behind and we're going to walk. Amen. We're going to have faith. We're going to get out of our comfort zones, 
and we're going to just go and do and be the women of God that he's called us to be. Amen? Amen. Woohoo! That's what I have for you. And I know that with that and everything else that's going to go on today, you are going to leave here. You have no reason not to leave here radically changed. Awesome. So now you get to take a five-minute, that's all you get, five minutes. So you're going to have to pee fast. That's all I have to tell you. You're going to have to pee fast. Rip off those pantyhose or whatever, pee fast. We'll see you back here in five minutes. Okay, I'm pretty sure it's been longer than five minutes. Of course, I really have no concept of time, so it could be like only three. I don't know. But we're going to bring it back. Have everybody come back. And this, this is one of my favorite times. I love this. So I'm going to have Pastor Sandy come up to the stage, and I'm going to have my wonderful husband, Thomas, wherever he is, he's probably in the bathroom, and, and Pastor Bill, well, I don't know, a lot of potty talk today, yeah. don't you think? Yeah, and we can, you want to sit down? Not really. No? You want to stand up? No, I want to sit down. Okay, we're sitting down. Yeah, we're going to sit down. Aren't they great? I think they're awesome. Yeah, so I have questions that people have asked that they want your guys' um, expertise. All right. You ready? I'm ready. Are you? Okay. He's been waiting all day for this. Yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> can't wait. Okay, so um, let me pick one here. If you could pick three books in addition to the Bible, inspired, humbled, spoken, the most, which three books, which would they be? The something that's um, the most wisdom to you. Go ahead. Battlefield of the mind. I would carry with my Bible every day. I think that's where so much happens is in the battlefield of the mind. I'll say one. Y'all say one. New Creation Realities, E.W. Kenyon, Christ the Healer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good one. I'm, uh, I'm reading a, I'll get the title. Y'all, this is my husband, Bill. Did y'all know that? <laughs> um, second chance people. Because that's what we as, I'm sorry? I said I haven't read that. That's what we as a church, we're, that's what we're called to, giving people another chance. Mm-hmm. Instead of writing them off and finalizing them. The Bible says, remove the scoffer and strife will cease. That word scoffer comes from two Latin words, um, to analyze and finalize. So when you start finalizing, you start finalizing your husbands or finalizing your kids, yep. it, it, life's a bummer. There's, uh, there's tons of books, and it would, the answer would change. Yeah. 
depending on the season of life that we're in, you know, this book and then next week. But uh, I, I think I think a book everybody should read, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, um, Fear God and Take Up Your Part. And, uh, you know, it's really odd because it's written in like 1919, and it sounds like he's describing today. And it's, it, it'll give you a backbone. Something else that I think is a good book, I mean, just throwing out here, is called The Gold Standard by Ritz Carlton. And mm. it is um, how they serve people and do hospi hospitality. And um, it's a very interesting book, even if you're having, and this is a girl's thing, so even if you're having like a shower at your house or a big event like this, it tells you how to um, treat people. And um, it's just kind of doing that extra 5%. It's, it's really interesting. And then there's another one, the Disney Institute. Um, it's called Be Our Guest. And it's how Disney um, treats everyone as a guest. And it's just, it's just great for life, just to know how to treat people and um, kind of do that extra 5%. That's awesome. One of the books that the gals are going to be going through is Slaying Your Giants by Crockett. And it's an excellent book also. Good. Go ahead. Any more? No more? Okay. Um, how have you learned to overcome challenges and be obedient consistently in a season of hard choices? <laughs> I love that laugh. Look at us race it. Read, read it one more time. How have you learned to overcome challenges and be obedient consistently in a season of hard choices? I'm still learning it. <laughs> I, ha I haven't learned it. Uh, overcoming challenges. Uh, man, it's, that's, it's, that's a pretty wide open question because it depends on the challenge. Every day, every day there's challenges. And I think to think that, I think what the enemy wants you to think is that uh, if you don't overcome something immediately that you suck. And the reality is, is that in every one of our lives, there's stuff, there's still stuff. Uh, you know, I was so excited that Bill and Sandy were coming because uh, they're, they're, they're a tremendous blessing, but, uh, you know, they're, they're somebody that we really look up to. Um, and, you know, almost instantly you feel stuff in you that you hope that they don't find out. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because, you know, yep. once they find out that you got that, you know, and you're going to, and that's just the enemy. There's, yeah. there's yeah. challenges that you're going to deal with, and, you know, and how do I learn to overcome and be obedient? Um, well, my heart is obedience, but I find out that I don't always, I'm not Johnny on the spot always with obedience. It's God's working in me every day yes. and allowing him to, to, to strengthen me and give me wisdom, insight, revelation, understanding, discernment, and then me choosing to go with that. And I think it's an ongoing journey. It's just part of life, the Christian life. And, um, but there's nothing wrong with you if it's taken you a while to get over something, you know, to get through something. The, 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 nothing wrong with you until you stop trying. And when you, when you suddenly decide it doesn't matter anymore, but you still have the issue, that's your problem. It's, it's your, your willingness to adjust uh, your, what you anticipate, what, what you expect, when it's controlled by what you've experienced. 
now you're in trouble. Uh, because there's a huge gap between experience and expectation. But I have noticed this much, not, not being a woman, uh, <laughs> but I've noticed that women, when they are expecting, they're not sort of expecting. They are expecting. And, yep. you know, they, six months from now, three months from now, two days from now, and they are expecting. They're not kind of pregnant. And, you know, we're not sort of growing. We either are or we aren't. Yeah. And, you know, you're either believing God and in, in full pursuit or you're not. And, you know, like Pastor Shelby said, you're making excuses to cover yourself. Um, but there's nothing wrong with you because you have challenges. There's just something wrong with you if you don't care. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Okay, and so I, I guess in a nutshell, you're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or bracing for a storm. Okay, so there's the, the good news is bad news is coming, but God's given you an avenue of escape. God's given you the, the, a promise of victory. And, and here's what's interesting about Christianity. Christianity is about us trying, okay? And it's, it, it's moving in this new building. The, the field just said, well, let's try. You know, I mean, he, he told a story about how the, the whole building purchase came the, the introduction of it, it was, I mean, it, it, pro it started, he's like, man, I'd like to have a patio like that, and talking about the patio that's behind the building, and that turned into him making a deal in the building, and because he just tried, and, and all that stuff feels so serendipitous, like, oh my gosh, it was just pennies from heaven, it just kind of, and I think it's just because he tried, and that's what God's going to back, see, I believe that, that, it's our move. Jesus rose from the dead. He made his move. He's not making any more moves. All right? Now it's up to us to make moves. And, and it's, you know, for us, we, we want, I think a lot of times it's misguided, if you don't mind me to get wordy here, to get, it's misguided, our comfort is. So we'll, we'll go, for, go to food or we'll go to a, a new mattress, or we'll go to clothes, or we'll go to a person, or we'll go to drugs or liquor, or we'll go to whatever to bring, get comfort. But you know, it's interesting, at, at the Mount of Ascension, what Jesus said was, I, I have to go. And they're like, no, you're not going. Peter said, this is awesome. We're going to put up tents, and we're going to, man, we're going to live here. We're going to establish our government here. And Jesus said, no, I, it's to your advantage that I go, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to send another comforter to you. See, so our comfort comes from the Holy Spirit, not from the stuff. And I think that's the, the hard part about it is, is that, that the unfulfillment, the dissatisfaction in the worldly comfort that, every, every, that all of us, our flesh craves. But what did Paul say? He said, harden yourself to difficulty. Man, I'm going through a hard time. Yeah, deal with it. And I know that's not very kind of girl um, conference speak, 
but you have to harden yourself. To, and, and honestly, this is how Sandy talks to me. You know, it isn't, it isn't like, oh, it'll get better. Or can I, can I you, you don't want a cookie? Um, can I get you your blankie? I mean, it's, it's, it's like, man, I'm, you got to man up and overcome. And see, that's what we are. We're overcomers. Everybody say, I'm an overcomer. Okay, now be it. That means you're going to face adversity. With no adversity, I don't want to be a Christian. I didn't need to give my life to Jesus to blend in with the world. I was already there. I had the world by the tail. It was awesome. Okay, but then you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, it's like none of that's fulfilling or satisfying. I need, so when you give your life to Jesus, now he didn't come to make us comfortable. That's what the Bible says. He came to give us a sword. And well, you get into, you, if, 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 a, if, a, if, if a fight breaks out outside and you run out to that fight with a sword in your hand, you're in the fight. Someone's going to say, oh, they're armed and the, I don't know them, so I'm going to fight against them. And see, that's what our life is now. He's given us a sword. How many of you guys know the word? Yeah. You're armed. So there's a fight, you're armed, you're in it, deal with it, okay? And, and I think that's it, but, you, but here's what God's going to grace, okay? This is going to be hopefully life-changing. He's going to grace you trying. That's it. Man, I got a, I got a, I got a kid running the streets, acting a fool. You know, all that is is a signal that that kid's not finished being parented yet. That's all it is. You have to be a parent. You have to overcome. You have to step up. You got to say, well, it's like I got to rebuild my kid. Yeah, you do. So what do you do? You strip them down to nothing and you just rebuild it. You just, and see, but it's all about trying. It's all about the effort. You know, um, are you trying? I want to, I want to, I want to overcome with my finances. Okay, you got to try. So what does that mean? You got to spend less than you make. You got to save. You got to you got to pay down debt. It's like, it's all about effort. It's all about trying. But God backs our play. And he, he, he prospers everything you put your hand to. But that would be my, my response. We're overcomers. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be difficult. So what do you do? Paul said, harden yourself to difficulties. I played rugby, and you, you don't want to play against world-class athletes and give them something soft to hit. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to come out with my hands up and my, my ribs exposed. It's like, no, you got you to turn, you got to tuck, you got to give them something hard. Man, just pray and say, God, help me give the devil something hard to hit. And, and th- then it's a game changer for you. Now it's like, wait a second, it's not, I'm not to pray anymore. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm armed and warned for this fight. Nothing should sneak up on you anymore. Nothing should. I mean, maybe you're brand new Christian, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I, I, I had, I had, a, I had greedy thoughts or lust-filled thoughts, or I had these kind of thoughts. Man, how many of you guys been Christians for a while? Yeah, it's not sneaking up on you anymore. I mean, I, I've got an adage. I'm gonna shut up. But the way God does that, anything is the way God does everything. Yeah. And I believe the devil's the same way. There's probably one or two areas the devil's messing with you for your life. Well, my goodness. It's kind of like the Bible. If I, if I was in the world now, 
I'd say, okay, all of you guys, you, can't, you guys can't agree on anything. You've got, they've given you one book to study. One book to read, and you can't agree on anything. You know, I mean, and, but that's it. We've got we've to put first things first in our life and just take the steps and try. That's awesome. Awesome. Do you have anything you want to add? No? You're good. Okay, we'll go on to the next one. How do you have relationships with people who talk the talk but don't walk the walk? Well, <laughs> I thought it was pretty interesting. One of the mornings this week where I was up at before the crack of dawn, I don't even think I went to sleep. But anyway, um, just turned on one of the Christian radio shows, and it, it was, uh, they were actually talking about the marriage relationship, but, it was, but they said, okay, the, the Bible commands us to love one another. It doesn't say anything about trusting one another or liking it, one another or anything like that. It it commands us to love one another. So how do you get past that? You love one another, and however that comes out, you make, you have a relationship. You love them. You love them like Christ loved them. Yes, and I think it's very important that you watch every one of your relationships very closely, um, even family relationships, because I think that, um, I just think you have to be very intentional about that, and, um, you know, know what the buttons are pushed by certain people. And so we're very careful about, um, you know, I just take the example of, of what Jesus did. He had his 12, he had the masses, he had his 12 disciples, he had the three, and then he had the one that he loved. And that's kind of the way I example my, my life. It's like, I've got my 12, my three, and my one. And, um, and yes, I have lots of other people that I do stuff with, acquaintances, whatever, but those 12 are really the core, really the three of the core. So I think you have to be intentional about that because the Bible says that if you're, if you're of many friends and if you're, if, honestly, I did a study on friendship. We did a study on friendship at one point because, you know, everybody wants to have lots of friends and be very popular and everything. And the word says that if that's the case, then you're not living according to God's word yeah. because you're not confronting people. So, I mean, yes, all of us can be people pleasers and, and say what you want to hear, but if you're my really friend, if you're if Christy is really my friend, I'm going to tell Christy, what are you doing? You're you're messing up. You need to get back in the work. You know, let's let's get through this. And um, that that to me is a true friend. So I think you have to be very careful about your. Yes, I think you love everybody, and I think you um, you know you're no respecter of persons. But I do think you're careful about who you in, let into that inner circle. I think, too, just to tie in with that, is that if you have a choice between 100 pennies or four quarters, I'd rather have four quarters than 100 pennies. And, you know, he who, shows, he who wants friends must show himself friendly. Sounds like we're supposed to be friends to everybody, but really what it says is you have to compromise. He who wants friends is going to have to compromise. Well, I'm not going to. So that's going to cost me some of those pennies. Okay, that's okay, because I'm not looking for pennies. I'm looking for quarters. And so there's some people that uh, they, they're not going to walk the walk. Well, then they're not going to walk with me. Peace. Uh, well, that, that, that's, that's, you're mean. You're, we're supposed to love everybody. I love them. But I'm not walking with them. I'm not changing my walk to accommodate some fool. 
And, you know, because he's got a T-shirt and a bumper sticker and a nasty attitude. And I'm not, you know, he goes to church. That don't mean he's walking with me. I'm not, you know, well, you, how do people get in your circle? They walk right. And if you're not going to, great. We're going to be friends in the foyer. Um, but if, you know, I'm looking for quarters, not pennies. And, I'm, and I don't feel bad about myself if I look around and, well, I only have two quarters. They'll come, but I'm, I'm not going to make up for it by adding 50 pennies. Yeah, we've got friends that... Oh, yeah. Yeah, come on. We've got, we've got friends that... It's like Sandy say, have you talked to so-and-so? I'm like, yeah, kind of. I mean, but I haven't changed track. I'm, I'm still on track. I mean, they've, they've gone, and Paul said, beware of men who desire to be owners of men. And that's friends. It's what he's talking about. Those are those kind of relationships. It's not a dictator or government or the cops or whatever. It's those relationships that are in your life. And, and it is interesting how to have friends, you got to show yourself friendly, and friends with the world is enmity with God. That's, that, that's actually a negative statement that a lot of people preach it as, Man, be friendly. It's like the last thing you want me to be is friendly. I'll just be real honest with you. And it's, and it's because you've you got to stay true to yourself. You've got to stay true to the Word. You have to, it's interesting, this term convictions. You have to stay true to your convictions. Those convictions, Sandy has convictions in her life that have arrested her. Like she's shackled to those convictions. Well, that's not fun or friendly, but, but those convictions are what keep us safe. Very good. How do you deal with negative people who are constantly complaining and talking bad about everything you love? I think that was probably just answered. I'm thinking. We can show you where their bodies are located. <laughs> Let's not. I don't, I don't recommend talking negatively about everything I love. I just don't recommend it because that's just not real smart. <laughs> uh, it, and why would you put up with it? Um, silence is a form of agreement. So, you know, if someone's speaking about everything you love and you're trying to figure out how to put up with it, I'm not worried about the guy that's speaking bad about everything you love. I'm more concerned about you. Well, I look at it the opposite, though, is me speaking negatively about people or about stuff and people's works, and it's like, and, I'm, and I tire of the Holy Spirit asking, like requiring of me, who do you think you are? <laughs> so, okay, I don't want to do that anymore. Because, you know, I mean, it's like, oh, my goodness. But I kind of, when I heard that question, it kind of flipped back on me. That's good. So we'll switch to, like, relationship. My husband doesn't love me in my love language. He knows my love language, but doesn't do it. 
I've expressed how alone I feel, but nothing changes. That's a good one for you, Sandy. <laughs> what I want to say is get over it. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm trying to think of a tactful way to say this. I love the love languages. I love them. I love taking them. I love taking personality profiles. But I'll be honest with you, my husband is not responsible that I'm a words of affirmation person. I'm not counting on my happiness or him to make me happy. So it's like you have to, if he does that, which he does sometimes, it's, it's, it's icing on the cake. But he absolutely is not my validation. He's not my, he's not any of that. It's like you have to put your source back in, obviously. I love to surprise her. She hates. Surprises. <laughs> but I let him surprise because you know what? That's fun. And so the thing is, is it's just, you know, I think people get caught up on the whole gift, um, personality thing because honestly you can take it in a year and be another different kind of personality. All five of those. All hopefully, of, I like all of them. hopefully you're growing and like changing all the time, you know? And um, it's kind of that Holy Spirit thing where, you know, it depends on what gifting's pulled out of you. You know, I'm not always a um, acts of service, but but he's an acts of service person. Well, I am a definite acts of service person at our church. So I don't sit here and say, well, I'm just words of affirmation. You're just going to have to, you know, just be affirming me all the time. It's like, you know, I mean, you, you, just, you just do what you need to do. You grow up and do what you need to do. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like what I was saying earlier. It's up to us. Yes. It's between us and God. Yeah. It's not up to our husbands yes. to make us feel beautiful or be beautiful or anything like that. It's up to us. And then I guess I would go on to say, well... You know, you're concerned about your love language. Are you giving him his love language? Are you submitting, like the Bible says, are you submitting unto him? Are you adapting yourself to him, or are you just worried about you? Well, it's such a weak... Did somebody ask that question in here? It was sent in. That's okay. Well, no, it's just, why embrace your weakness like that? Why, why not just let his strength be validate that weakness, God's strength, and... It, it, it just is. It's, it's, and I, I hear this a lot, too, where mm-hmm. this is my love language and my husband doesn't, you know, and it's like, I mean, it's the last thing Sandy wants is me walking around thinking um, her love language is uh, words of affirmation. And so I, I need to give her some words of affirmation. It's like, it's contrived. It's not, she wants it from my heart. She wants a genuine, you know, and, 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 I, and I think you got to you overthink it. You know, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing that Sandy wants from me, rather than any of those, is for me to be present. Mm-hmm. For, me to be, for me not to be on my phone, for me not to bring issues that, I, that, I'm, that I'm facing in, in the church or in, in ministry in my life, bringing that into our relationship, into, into, into the home, you know. And I think that's the bigger thing is that... Because we're not 35-year-old church starters anymore. You know, I mean, the thing's too big for us to wrap our arms around anymore. And, and that, that's awkward and uncomfortable for both of us. People are making decisions, and I'm like, okay, what, what do they think? You know, but it's, that's their role. So I have to let them, and they got to live with it. And, and so, so that's the, the biggest thing, I think, is for us to be present. 
Yes, I do. Okay. I will say something to that. Because um, <laughs> what I hear when you read it is, I can't get my husband to do what I want. And so I want to help you with that. No, I, I, I really do. I really do. Because, see, if I, if I was talking to your husband, and trust me, if I was talking to your husband, I would be very blunt that he cannot look at his wife as his mama. Okay, your wife is not your mama. Um, but to you ladies, you have to understand, he can't receive from you as a mother. So when you're telling him what you want him to do, you're now a mother that he can't receive from. You tell God what you need and pray for him. But any man that is, you know, the number one need for a man is a cheerleader. And, um, and, and if, you, if you meet his need in, a, in this society and in this culture that we're in, if you meet his need, he'll do anything for you. But when you're telling him everything he's doing wrong, it's kind of like the opposite of what he needs. He needs a cheerleader. You know, cheerleaders, uh, you know, when I was in high school, and it's been a while, but I think I remember correctly, <laughs> that cheerleaders cheered even when we lost. And when we were winning, it was nice, but we knew we were winning. We actually didn't need them to tell us. But when, when, when you're losing, it feeds something that somebody still... It feels still, like a counseling session here. Yeah. It, it's, get, it's getting there, if, don't it? Uh, but, but, when, but see, when you're losing, it, it, it feeds something. And instead of pointing out that he's losing, you need to find a way to point out he's winning. And, and then he'll... he'll, he'll He'll hit all the love languages. You know, men are, men are idiots. Uh, we're, we, are, we are, you know, little boys and big boy bodies. It, they'll get around to it. They'll, they'll get it right. But they'll never get it right if you come at it like a mother. Yeah. You know, we've got a dear friend who... I always interrupt your applause. I know. Could you hold on just a minute one time? We've got a dear friend that... I, we'll, we'll go ride Harley's and we eat barbecue. And I relish the opportunity that a new guy will be at the, the table. And, you know, it's funny because Joel was saying, you know, some of these conversations we have, they go into left field. And, you, I, like, I just sit there and finish my ribs and look forward to get back into my Harley and not have to hear the conversation more. But the, the, the couple of times where one of the guys will say, well, you know, happy wife, happy life. Oh my gosh, I love it when Bob's at the table and somebody says that because he comes unglued and <laughs> chastises that guy about being a steer and, and not having any kind of, and, and it's like attacks his, attacks his masculinity and he, he just got it. oh my gosh, I'm just, and, but it's the truth. He's like, it's, it's wrecking the church and wrecking America that we've got it, we're here to to, it, 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 and, but, but, and I'm telling you, he's got a great point. But see, that's the, that's the case. That's kind of what you're saying is that he's not meeting my love language need or whatever. It's like, 
well, I want to, you know, because happy wife makes, I can make his life miserable. And, but I just wanted to, I don't even know if it, I thought of Bob when you were talking, so I thought I'd bring it up. (laughs) You should have Bob come in and do a women's conference here sometime. Okay. (laughs) Bob have a last name? There, no, he doesn't have a last name. Yeah, we're not bringing it up right now. And, and, if, he was, and if, if he was doing this today and then came back tonight, there'd be like 5,000 women here probably. I don't know. But. Awesome. Okay, and for the last one, um, time management. How do you manage everything? The church, the relationship, the friendships, the everything. Time management. How I manage that is that they're all the same thing to me. My friends, my family, the church, it's all one thing. I'm not, I don't live out of drawers. And like I have a church drawer and a home drawer and a friend drawer and a biking drawer and a, just every, I have one drawer and you're in it. You're my friends, you're my family, we're the church, and when we do life together, all of those things are included. And I, I, I have trouble, you know, I was raised different from most people, you know, because at age seven, I started traveling full-time with my dad. We had the tent. We did church. This, all we, this, all we, this is just my lifestyle. So when people say, you know, well, I need to have time with my family, and I'm thinking, that's what this is. I do church with my family. Uh, I do life with my family. I don't look at church as different from having people tow the house. Because when you come to our house, it's very similar to when you come to church. And so to break it all down, and I'm trying to find time for this life and that life and these lives, and what you ought to do is just get one life. (laughs) And do it. That's my opinion. That's that's. Actually, I don't think that's an opinion. I think that's counsel from the Lord. Let them let clap. Now. Now. Just reach your hands toward them right now and we'll pray. Well, I was just going to say one bite at a time because I look at life like an elephant. And if you start looking at what you have to do at the end of the week or even like the message tonight, like I didn't even, I mean, I've prepared for the message tonight, but I'm not even thinking about it because I, I have the messages this morning and different things going on. And so it's like, I'm just the type of person that if I try to manage it, like look at the big picture, which, you know, I do, but it's, it's, uh, it gets overwhelming, and so sometimes it's. Um, I'm kind of with you. Like we treat, we treat our family. You know, the church is a, is like our family, and so uh, same thing. But obviously, you only have so many hours in the day, and so much you're supposed to do. And so, um, I just look at it like an elephant and take one bite at a time and hear from God. And I don't know. That sounds really. I don't even know if that's a good answer. But anyway, that's what I do. Well, here, the it's like your thought life. You have to manage your thought life. It's like, okay, so you sit and think, oh my gosh, I have 25,000 thoughts a day. How do I manage my thought life? It's because it's interesting because you have 25,000 a day, but one at a time. And that's kind of how balancing, I don't think we can balance our life. 
I personally don't. I can't, okay? So you'll say, well, and, and, I, and I know there's probably psychologists that would frown upon making that statement, or, but here's how it works for me. It's not linear like this, not managing and balancing. It's I prioritize my life. Like I had to make a decision when my kids were little, the church was consuming, and we were the primary leaders. And so I just, I thought, okay, so I got a cell phone. And I told my kids, I said, listen, if you call, I will answer. It doesn't matter where I am or what I'm doing. If you need me, you just call because the church was consuming. And they did. And it, it was like in the last year, I've got a 26 or 7-year-old daughter, wherever she is. She'll say, you didn't answer my call. I'm like, I was in a meeting. Yeah, but you said you didn't. I said, that was when you were 8. <laughs> you got a husband now. Call him. But, but that's just how I did it. I mean, it's, you know, there were times where I'd come in the door and say, he'd say, whoop, stop. Don't bring that in here. And I'm like, well, I haven't even said anything yet. You don't have any idea what I'm bringing in. But she could tell, just body language. Just, and, and, but that's how you manage it. And, and, and it's, it's kind of like just next man up or you're playing for the next game. If, if, if the football team you root for, if they're thinking about three games down the schedule, it's going to be the next couple of games are going to be bad. You've got to think, because anybody can beat, anybody can beat anybody. The expression in football is, is any given Sunday. Well, that's how we live our lives, too. The next opponent in your life could take you out. I've got, I've got dear friends that the enemy took them out of ministry. And I look back on it, and I think, that shouldn't even have winged them, much less destroyed them. But I believe it's because... They, they were trying to balance things and not prioritize things. Like, like right now, as, if, if I said, I, I just, you look at your priorities. You know, the fields invited us here. The answer was yes, because we're in covenant. And covenant to me is, whatever the question is, the answer is yes. And so, but am I, am I in covenant with everybody? No. You know, I mean, it's, it, the, the seven sons of Siva came and, and, and tried, to cast the de, the, the, tried to cast the devil out of the, this guy. And he said, hey, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who the heck are you? And, and I think that that's the, how we look at it. Instead of trying to balance things, I mean, you guys, some days you just order pizza. You know, if he comes home and says, well, man, why don't you make dinner anymore? It's like... Why don't you get over yourself, okay? I'm this is why I love this guy right here. <laughs> no, because there are guys we know that are old school like that. It's like there, there better be a, a home-cooked hot meal at the house. It's like that's the last thing I want. I want, I want Sandy to be fulfilled. I want my kids to serve God, fulfill his purpose, and marry the right person. I don't care who cooks my dinner. And And... Yeah, sometimes it's like, like Sandy will say, hey, I'm cooking dinner. That flips it. It's like, okay, I'm going to be on time. I'm going to, you know, I mean, my heart's right, the whole thing, just because she's putting that kind of effort into it, and I know the demands on her life. See, and that's what's, that's what's crazy. 
is a lot of this stuff, like the love language stuff and the, what I just said about, about dinner, it's just picking a fight. It's like, do I really want to fight with her today? Do, she's the most, most important person in my life. Do I really want to, to go to the mat over that? You know, I mean, it's, I think you pick your battles. I think that's how you manage your life. It's, just, it's like, okay, what do I get if I win this? And I heard this a long time ago, and I think it's right. Do I want to be right, or do I want to have a healthy marriage? You can't have both. Because I'm a guy, you know, like you said earlier, I can't think like, we've, we, we, had a, we had a son, it was awesome. Then we had two girls. And I'm like, now I'm picking out shoes. Now, I mean, I mean, look at me. I'm not, a, I'm not like fashion conscious. Okay? I had sand jeans on this morning. I came by the church. Joel said, we got to go back to the hotel. I said, great. He said, because Sandy said you got to change your pants. Okay? So this was the next pants up. This was it. But, but I'm not going to fight over those jeans. I don't care. I don't care what I'm... It doesn't matter to me. It's a suitcase. It's clothes. Let's go. Okay? But with girls, it's not like that. And, and, I, and I've got a reminder once in a while. It's like, okay, I'm a dude. I don't have an opinion about that. So awesome. And I'm just thankful. Now I'm interrupting my applause. Yeah. I'm just thankful denim came back in because I'm a denim on denim guy. Every decade I'm denim on denim. And now, and now hopefully we're back in the 70s because that's when I was cool. So awesome. Thank you guys so much. So, such an honor for you guys to be here. Honor to be here. Thank you. Thanks, babe. Love you. Okay, so Sandy and Crystal, right? Sandy and Crystal are going to come up, and there's going to be a prize, and they have tons of stuff to say, so hang out for a moment. Just, just hang out, babe. They can just all stare at you. <laughs> That's, this is fun. There's a lot. I'm holding so much stuff. And now I thought I was going to be really close to you, and now we're really far. Well, it's just far weird away. to have your You're back towards people. Get in the middle. Go. <laughs> right okay, there. Okay, so we're here. Crystal's going to tell you everything. No, I'm really not. Okay, she's going to hold the shirts, and I'm going to tell you about them. Um, where are your shirts tonight? And if you guys didn't get them yet, or even look at them yet, Crystal's going to model them. White. Oh, yeah, I have that one on. I love it. <laughs> black or red. And then black. And there's a lot of sizes. The red ones are youth fit runs small. So when you go over there and get the 3X size, because that's what I got, <laughs> don't feel bad. Because it said youth sizes run small, but we wanted a cute color, and that was yeah. what we got. But the other ones are regular fit, like you can buy your normal size. Okay, wear them tonight. You guys going to wear them tonight? Yeah, yeah. Courtney said yes. Okay. All right, we keep like spacing out. And these are all, hi guys. <laughs> okay, um, next, Crystal. Ha oh, we're giving something away. Deb. Hi. 
Crystal's going to draw it. <laughs> you probably turned it off so you don't have to. I turned it off so I don't have to hear myself. Oh, you guys, this is the best. Okay, one oh, we're telling them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Hockey time. <gasps> Four Tri City American I'm flex passes for any regular season game and more. I don't know if that's like you have to flex your muscles when you're there or. You know, there is some of that. Little boys do it. Okay. They take off their shirts and they do this dance with their shirts. And they it. It's pretty okay. crazy. Anyways. Um, all right, who's the winner? My daughter, Kylie Wright. <laughs> Okay, so you got to pick that up from the back before you leave. Um, and then you guys are coming back tonight. Um, the doors open to come into the building at 5.30, um, but our session doesn't start until 6.30. Right, 6.30. So you, you can hang out and just um, visit because we don't get enough of that like visiting time, so we're giving you a whole hour to come back at 5.30 and hang out. And then at 6.30 it kicks off, so don't be late. And then bring people back with you because we have, um, they can still register and it's, it's a cheaper price for just the evening session. So tell them, text them, call them, whatever them, and that's it. We're good. Unless you guys have anything else you want to say. No? Good. Okay. See you this evening. Okay. See you guys this evening. All right.